Aldrich ruminated on the fading of the fire. It inspired visions of a coming age of the deep sea. He knew the path would be arduous, but he had not fear. He would devour the gods himself. Sleep well, and allow me to tell you the story about the foundations of the Church of the Deep. How it became a belief in which clerics forsook their duties to the flame to pursue. We know the idea and revelation of the Deep came from Aldrich when he was granted visions of it. But it takes a lot more than just a vision to push a religion that seems to have affected so many. I'd wager that the real driving force behind Aldrich and the Church of the Deep is none other than the ambitious Pontiff Sullivan. So let's backtrack a little bit and learn about the Pontiff, his upbringing, where he's been, and what could connect him to the Deep. The Sorcery Snap Freeze reads, One of the spells left behind by the young sorcerer Sullivan before leaving the painted world. Sullivan was born and raised inside the painting, yet had little use for his frigid homeland, since he had not yet experienced loss. Being from the painted world is certainly interesting, but not even of any consequence. He was born there, so we know his mother called the painting her home. But what of his father? Who could he be directly, or who could he be associated with? I think the answer to that could be someone who shares quite a bit in common with Sullivan, and that is Gravelord Nito, or at the very least, one of his Gravelord servants. Let me explain how. While you could certainly associate Nita with bones and skeletons for obvious reasons, but I'd say outside of the obvious, he's closely associated with eyes. The Gravelord Sword Dance miracle reads, Miracle known only by the servants of the first dead, Gravelord Nito. Nito sleeps deep within the giant catacombs, quietly overseeing all death and waiting for his servants to usher in the Eye of Death. And the Eye of Death reads, Lure phantoms from other worlds. The dreadful eyes of death spread disaster across neighboring worlds. Phantoms lured to their host world may end up as victims, allowing the eyes of death to multiply and leading to further proliferation of bane. These eyes are meant to lure others into death, disaster and chaos across different lands and worlds. But what does that have to do with Sullivan and his connection to Aldrich and the Deep? Well. The Pontiff had a very similar practice he bestowed upon his knights through his eye rings. The Pontiff's left and right eye ring reads, A witched ring that Pontiff Sullivan bestowed upon his knights. Knights who peer into the black orb are lured into battles of death, transformed into frenzied beasts. No wonder the Pontiff only provides these rings to those dispatched to foreign lands. So. Knights peering into these black-orbed eyes of the Pontiff are essentially doing the same thing as Nido's eyes of death, with the added benefit or drawback of turning them into beasts. But the connection shared between Nido and Sullivan certainly can't be a coincidence, especially considering we clearly see Aldrich wielding some ford of the Gravelord Sword or the Gravelord Sword Dance. Now, the idea of Nito being Sullivan's father is far from a certainty, but it's fun to entertain when we consider his mother in the painted world and the empty casket next to Nito that's widely assumed to be that of his mates. And the fact that Sullivan is derived from the Irish name Sullivan, which translates to Little Dark Eye. Which could be indicative of a little Nito, 
but father or not, it isn't crazy to assume that Sullivan was associated with Nito and or his teachings in some way. Perhaps he himself could have become one of the Gravelord's servants for a time and helped Nito collect the Eyes of Death until he could replicate it himself. But I think the whole idea of it is important because we see Aldrich wield the Gravelord's power, and the thought that Sullivan is the driving force behind this bloated cleric. Furthermore, we see evidence of the Pontiff's involvement with Aldrich in the Deep by reading Pontiff Sullivan's soul. Soul of Pontiff Sullivan. Pontiff Sullivan of Irithyll imprisoned a god of the old royalty in the abandoned cathedral to be fed to the Devourer. The Pontiff wanted Aldrich to devour Gwendolyn, and I believe I know why. The Life Hunt Scythe miracle derived from Aldrich's soul reads, Aldrich dreamt as he slowly devoured the god of the Dark Moon. In this dream, he perceived the form of a young pale girl in hiding. The young girl is likely being Priscilla, for as far as we know, she was the only one to possess the power of the life hunt. I believe this was what was important to the pontiff. The gods feared the incredible power of life hunt, and we learned that in Dark Souls 1. If Aldrich possessed this power as well, game mechanics of us having to kill him aside, in theory, he'd probably be one of the most powerful beings in the world. On top of already devouring gods, he now held onto a power they feared most. Then we have the small doll, which much like the doll in Dark Souls 1, allows its wielder to cross over a plane they would otherwise not be able to cross. Likely a trick Sullivan picked up in the painted world. The small doll reads, in the legendary old city of Irithyll, situated in the Boreal Valley, the Pontiff Sullivan gave this doll to valued subjects, so that they might use it to cross the barrier when they come home. We find the doll on the corpse of one of the Archdeacons of the Deep. So, if the Pontiff gave this doll to an Archdeacon of the Deep, then he was one of the Pontiff's loyal subjects. Not to mention, in Irithyll itself, we see two of the Pontiff's beasts guarding the corpse of another of the Deep's Archdeacons, who allow us to further serve Aldrich if we wish. We also have to consider the fact that the Deacons began using sorceries instead of miracles, which was considered a sin of their faith, which was likely passed down from Sullivan, who was a talented sorcerer. It's also interesting that the Deacons of the Deep's robes and Pontiff Sullivan's each have what I suppose is a tabard over their robes that are similar in design. Even the Pontiff's own knights wield weapons affected by the Deep. The Pontiff Knight Curved Sword reads, Curved sword wielded by the Pontiff's knights. Rigid spirits that linger in Irithyll. The large blade appears to be eaten away by insects, making it lightweight but also brittle. Now, what kind of insect could chew through a blade? Well, we know of one such insect that might just do the job. The Miracle Gnaw reads, Dark Miracle taught in the Cathedral of the Deep. Summons insect swarm to feast on foes. These insects which lurk in the deep have tiny jaws lined with fangs to tear open the skin and burrow into the flesh in the blink of an eye, causing intense bleeding which could be further indication of the Pontiff's close association with the Deep, especially considering that the Deacons of the Deep once guarded the world against the creatures that dwelled there, but we'll get more into that later. 
now, we have to simply talk about the word pontiff, which simply means the Pope. And there's no other religion that Sullivan even appears closely related to other than the Deep that he could be the Pope of. It's often believed that Aldrich is the head of or in charge of this religion, but I think not. Aldrich is referred to as the Saint of the Deep, the Saint being recognized as someone who has an exceptional degree of holiness or closeness to a god. Aldrich was the figurehead of the Church of the Deep, the Jesus of the Deep, if you will, and Sullivan was, well, the Pope. Now that I've hopefully made sense of all that, we can look into how the Deep came about, what it is, and all that jazz. Originally, the deacons and clerics, and Aldrich likely as well, of the Cathedral of the Deep were dedicated to the Way of White. The Archdeacon Holy Garb reads, Holy garb worn by an Archdeacon of the Cathedral of the Deep, a sign of the Way of White's highest rank. So, a pretty easy connection there. The deacons were in the Cathedral to fight back the creatures of the Deep and seal them away. It seems that within the Cathedral was some sort of I don't know, portal or gateway to and from the deep, and is why they're stationed there to guard it, as the deep ring states. In the cathedral slumber things most terrible, and as such the deacons require a grand narrative to ensure they do not falter in their duty. A philosophy to ward away the madness beckoned by the grotesqueries at hand. So, it's likely the cathedral was intentionally built around this spot to contain an offensive against the deep so that it could not threaten the flame. We can even see inside the cathedral how grotesque things are, but they could not fight forever. The deacon robes read, Robe worn by the deacons of the cathedral of the deep. The deep red pigment denotes the blessing of fire. In time, those dedicated to sealing away the horrors of the deep succumbed to their very power. It seems that neither tending to the flame nor the faith could save them. It's likely the same fall to the horrors of the deep that inspired Aldrich to begin his process of devouring people for power, and eventually gods. We know that during this time, many bloody battles took place within the cathedral, between the deacons and the beasts of the deep, Perhaps even the Pontiff's Knights as well, considering the deep insects that chewed through their steel. So much death, in fact, that there were those tasked with disposing of the dead. The Grave Warden robe reads, Rotting, tattered hood, attire of Grave Wardens of the Cathedral of the Deep. Grave Wardens were tasked with disposing of the ever-rising corpses that plagued the Cathedral. Their clothes were utterly putrid, drenched in the blood and mucilage of their undertaking. What is the deep? It's hard to say for sure, but I believe it's the place souls and humanity and everything in between went when people died. Because it had to go somewhere, right? The great deep soul sorcery reads, Archdeacon McConnell, a sorcerer himself, delighted in the cathedral's stagnating souls. For him, they represented the glorious bedrock of this world. The stagnating souls likely from all of the fallen deacons and the beasts as the war within the cathedral raged on. These souls departed from their owner's body, simply began to stagnate within the deep, and we of course know in the Dark Souls universe, souls are the key to power. And as these souls stagnated within the deep, they collected larger and larger numbers. Thus from where the power of the deep draws its strength. 
the human dregs description says, Dregs are the heaviest thing within the human body, and will sink to the lowest depths imaginable, where they become the shackles that bind this world. The dregs seem likely to be whatever was left of people's soul or humanity, and it slowly sank into what would be known as the deep. And as we know, it eventually became corrupted, and corrupted those who were tasked with guarding it. It's only when Aldrich ruminated on the fading of the flame, the flame he was dedicated to protect, that he witnessed the true potential and power of the depths he had been fighting against. And then he witnessed the age of the deep waters, made from the viscous liquid sediment that remained from the souls of the lost. He shared this vision with Sullivan, who sought power above all else. Thus, the Church of the Deep was formed by those the world thought kept them safe from it. Their miracles became sorceries, reflecting the power of the Deep and the dregs that stagnated there. Aldrich began to devour and devour until he bloated himself so much that he turned into black sludge. Likely, in some ways, a sort of dreg himself. Before long, however, he in all of his might was tossed upon the flame by those who still served the fire and wished to see its age flourish. But alas, the bells would once again toll, and Aldrich would not follow his duty to the flame, but continue his dreams of the deep and devour the god of the dark moon to gain the all-powerful life on ability. Guarded by Sullivan and his knights, they bide their time to find a way to usher in the age of the deep seas. But the Church of the Deep is nothing if not for the efforts of its clergymen. When the cathedral succumbed to the very power it was meant to drive back, three archdeacons rose to power to help bring their newly found visions of the Deep to fruition. The first archdeacon is Royce. The soul of the deacons of the Deep reads, After Aldrich left for the Boreal Valley, Archdeacon Royce remained in the cathedral with the high priests to keep eternal watch over their master's coffin. Which is about the extent of what we learn about Royce. When the time came and Aldrich rose from his grave and headed to Anorlando, Royce stood guard with a multitude of deacons to keep watch over Aldrich's coffin. Royce is likely also the valued subject that the Pontiff Sullivan bestowed the small doll upon to return to Irithyll with whenever he needed. And, panning over to Irithyll, we find Archdeacon McConnell, in his death-like slumber presiding over the Aldrich faithful, calling upon its servants to steadfastly defend their master inside of the ruined cathedral. The Cleric Candlestick reads, Candlestick used as both sword and catalyst, used for worship by the Deacons of the Deep. The Deacons, under the guidance of Archdeacon McConnell, became both clergymen and sorcerers. So, it was McDonnell who was responsible for the deacons becoming proficient in sorcery. This likely came after their fall to the deep, as doing so was considered a sin, and is probably why they've covered up a lot of the statues of Velka within the cathedral. Which we can deduce is Velka after hearing Gale pray to the statue, referencing it as goddess and mother of the forlorn. The Archdeacon Great Staff reads, large staff bestowed upon archdeacons of the Cathedral of the Deep. The Archdeacon MacDonald's trespass, the sin of channeling faith for sorcery, transformed what was once merely a symbol of ecclesiastic authority into a catalyst for sorceries. 
We know the power of the sorceries McDonald learned were from the deep, as the sorceries are called Deep Soul, Great Deep Soul, and Great Soul Dregs. My guess as to why it was considered a sin would be, for one, they obviously fell to the deep and would forsake their duties, but also miracles in Dark Souls are quite unlike sorceries. Miracles are the tales of the gods, and require faith in these tales to cast them. In a way, I suppose it's along the lines of quoting holy scriptures and conjuring them through faith as a weapon or shield. When the archdeacon threw his faith in these tales aside to pursue a different power, in the eyes of his faith he sinned, as well as turned his symbol of faith into a catalyst to commit said sin. Though I doubt MacDonald became a talented sorcerer on his own, it seems more likely that under the tutelage of an already powerful sorcerer and ally, Pontiff Sullivan, MacDonald was able to spread sorceries of the deep throughout the cathedral at least until he eventually took up residence in Irithil to head the Altar's Faithful and keep his Saint of the Deep undisturbed while they found a way to usher in the Age of Deep Waters. Though we find his body maybe alive, maybe dead, or perhaps somewhere in between deep down below in Irithil in the water reserves. And it's quite poetically fit for him, as in the cathedral he delighted in the stagnated souls that sank deep down to the lowest depths imaginable and became the shackles that bind this world. Finally, there's Archdeacon Klimt. The St. Biden description reads, A silver Biden decorated by a holy symbol, formerly wielded by St. Klimt. He discarded this weapon that draws upon one's faith on the day he put his own faith behind him. So, much like every other deacon and archdeacon within the Cathedral of the Deep, Klimt put his faith behind him and embraced the deep. But Klimt was slightly different. He was both a saint and an archdeacon, but where did his duties land him? The archdeacon skirt reads, Skirt worn by an archdeacon of the Cathedral of the Deep. Of the archdeacons of the deep, one attended to Rosaria, mother of rebirth, who he deemed a goddess. This is the most interesting revelation of any of the archdeacons in my opinion. Serving at least at some point, Rosaria could have a lot of implications. I have a pretty fun idea about the identity of Klimt, and if you'll humor me to hear it, we'll get to talk about H.P. Lovecraft, and that's cool as shit. Anyway, my idea is that St. Aldrich was formerly St. Klimt, and let me explain how. In researching the etymology of the name Klimt, I discover that it's derived from the old surname Clemens and Clement. The first recorded use of this name was in the mid-12th century, where a knight simpler of Oxfordshire named William Clement was known as the Church Builder. And considering the implications of what Aldrich did when he ruminated on the fading fire and witnessed the Deep, his visions manifested a Church of the Deep, which I found just a little interesting while entertaining the idea. Next, we think about what it means to serve Rosaria. We know that she's the mother of Rebirth, and thus anyone serving her can very easily become someone else. And to me, that is very much like having a time-is-convoluted argument. Sure, you can use that to say a lot of different things could have happened, but relying on that you-can't-technically-prove-me-wrong stance isn't enough for me. Which made me think about the name Aldrich, which is very similar to the word Eldritch, which means strange or unnatural, especially in a way that inspires fear. Eldritch is highly synonymous with the work of H.P. Lovecraft, which we know had a lot of inspiration on the world of Bloodborne, 
but we didn't really see a lot of that inspiration in the Souls games until we entered the Cathedral of the Deep and learn about Aldrich and the Age of the Deep Seas, which is quite heavily Eldritch and Lovecraft inspired. The Rosaria's Fingers Covenant item reads, Sacred Seal of Archdeacon Klimt, who served Rosaria, Mother of Rebirth. Rosaria's fingers collect tongues in her name. Some do it to be reborn, others do it to help comfort their voiceless goddess. What's interesting about this is that the design of the seal is Klimt's and not Rosaria's. What's more interesting is that the design looks fairly familiar to, and could easily have been inspired by, one of the representations of the Elder Sign in Lovecraftian mythos. In that mythos, this Elder Sign is used as a way to divert attacks from Deep Ones, and is inscribed on all the sealed doors of the city of Erlier, which is where Cthulhu dreams. A passage from The Call of Cthulhu says, The Nightmare Corpse City of Erlier was built in measureless eons behind history by the vast loathsome shapes that seeped down from the dark stars. This could be similar to the way that the soul dregs and dark souls sink down to unimaginable depths and make up the bedrock of this world, and that the deacons are beckoning in the Age of Deep by trying to wake some ancient old one that dwells there, kind of like Cthulhu does. But maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So, let's get back to the Aldrich used to be Klimt idea, before looking into more Lovecraft. The mangrubs we see outside Rosaria's chambers are likely the close followers of Klimt, even before he began to serve the Mother of Rebirth, as we can see them casting projectiles that represent the Saint Biden that Klimt wielded. When Klimt or Aldrich was granted visions of the Deep is when everything changed, and could be a reason why he wanted to change himself perhaps fit the mold of a person he'd envisioned bringing in the deep, and with Rosaria so readily available, it'd be too easy to do so. Then there's the conflicting arguments about Rosaria's firstborn taking her tongue from her. Does it literally mean firstborn, or is it referencing the first person to become reborn by her? If it is the latter and Aldrich was the first, then I mean taking her tongue wouldn't be something out of character for a guy who literally eats people. And perhaps, if so, he did it so that she wouldn't give his old identity away. Or maybe it was just his first taste of flesh and what gave him the appetite for and bestowed his lust for the joy of luxurating in his victim's screams. The idea of Aldrich using Rebirth to become what he is now is also interesting given the symbolism of how he appears before us in-game and how the mangrubs who have rebirthed too many times appear. They're almost identical, at least in shape. Elongated, grub-like bodies that stretch across the ground and come upward into a humanoid-like body with two arms and a head. Sure, Aldrich became that way by eating too many men, but the grubs became that way by rebirthing too much. So perhaps it's a transformation brought on by indulging yourself in your vices too much. But I think the symbolism between the two is still there. I want to leave you with this reading of a passage from Call of Cthulhu, and you can tell me if it doesn't sound like what could have inspired the Deep and Aldrich lore. Then, whispered Castro, those first men formed the cult around tall idols which the Great One showed them. Idols brought in dim eras from dark stars. That cult would never die till the stars came bright again, and the secret priests would take Great Cthulhu from his tomb 
to revive his subjects and resume his rule of Earth. The time would be easy to know, for then mankind would have become as the Great Old Ones, free and wild and beyond good and evil, with laws and morals thrown aside and all men shouting and killing and reveling in joy. Then the liberated Old Ones would teach them new ways to shout and kill and revel and enjoy themselves, and all the earth would flame with a holocaust of ecstasy and freedom. Meanwhile, the cult, by appropriate rites, must keep alive the memory of those ancient ways and shadow forth a prophecy of their return. In the elder time, chosen men had talked with the entombed old ones in dreams, but then something happened. The great stone city of Erlier, with its monoliths and sepulchres, had sunk beneath the waves and the deep waters full of the one primal mystery through which not even thought can pass, had cut off the spectral intercourse. 